we can't just entirely try to shift the burden to the private sector and expect that they are going to be fully welcoming of the vast diversity of persons with disabilities. If if they were, and this is not a value statement on, or a judgment statement on them, but if they were already predisposed to do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation because there wouldn't be this tremendous gap between the employment engagement of persons with disabilities and those without. I'm J.B. Woken, and welcome back to On the Evidence, a show that examines what we know about today's most urgent challenges and how we can make progress in addressing them. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a multi-state demonstration aimed at helping adults with disabilities not only secure employment, but find a job that is tailored to the person's needs, skills, and interests, and provides the opportunity for more work hours and better pay. The program is called Pathways to Careers, and it's designed to help people with intellectual or developmental disabilities or autism. It started as a pilot project in 2012 in Clearfield, Utah, and has expanded to four other sites in Massachusetts, Michigan, Virginia, and another city in Utah called Ogden. Pathways uses a customized employment service model, meaning that the relationship between the employer and employee is personalized to meet the needs of both. But what makes Pathways exciting is that it includes several different customized employment strategies, such as an assessment of participant strengths called discovery, paid internships, work experiences, and post-employment career support. Pathways was the focus of an evaluation that Mathematica conducted, and it will also be the subject of a webinar that Mathematica is hosting on March 11th. We'll talk more about the webinar in the interview, and I will include a link for anyone who would like to register and attend virtually. My guests for this episode are Shane Kennedy and Noelle Denny-Brown. Shane is the Vice President of Workforce Development at Source America, an organization that matches government and commercial contracts for work with nonprofits that employ people with significant disabilities. Shane will go into greater detail about what Source America does in a moment. Noelle is a senior researcher focused on disability policy at Mathematica. And without further ado, here's our conversation. All right, great. Well, um, so let's let's just jump right in. Shane, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you are at Source America. What is Source America for people who might not be familiar with the organization yet? So Source America, we're an independent nonprofit organization, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Virginia. And we are uh, essentially an umbrella organization over uh, an entire network of local community service providers, all being 501c3 nonprofits themselves, who provide various services for persons with disabilities throughout the United States. A lot of them have different specializations or focus based on the population or the geography that they're in. And through our relationship with them, we interact with the US Ability One program. That is a federal program that helps to provide employment opportunities for persons with disabilities uh, through work with the federal government, providing services or manufacturing commodities for Department of Defense or other civilian agencies. And we also interact with our network of nonprofits on commercial opportunities, also through some of our workforce development um, programs that we have, training programs, a variety of different things. And Shane, what, what is the problem that Source America is trying to solve or what is the, the 
to tell me a little bit more about your mission and and the issues that you're trying to address. Sure. So um, overall, we want to be an enabling force in creating more employment opportunities for persons with disabilities in the United States. So we're a domestic organization. That's our our area of focus. But it's about opening as many channels and opportunities as possible that create sustainable career paths for persons with disabilities in whatever kind of direction they'd like to go with that. Working with our local nonprofit organizations to maximize the way that they can expand their services, improve their services and their programs to have sustainable employment outcomes within their communities. And as we start to look from a a nationwide standpoint, how can we work with organizations, companies throughout the, the country to really promote the idea of inclusive employment and be a connector in, in that. So essentially, the, you know, the longstanding problem that the disability community is trying to tackle is the labor market participation rate of persons with disabilities, right? We are one of those members of that community trying to be a positive force in that. Okay. And I was actually, you anticipated my follow-up question, which is, is there, if you were to point to one metric or one measure of the labor force participation rate among workers with disabilities today, what's the what is that number, and how does that compare to, I don't know if you would want to compare it to the general population, or what, what, what would be your comparison group, but just, just to give me some sense of, in numbers, what the, what the issue is. Sure, and it's, a, it's an interesting question because I think we are predisposed to focus on the unemployment rate, just based on what's normally reported in, in media, and what is looked at as an indicator of progress or economic progress within the country. And so persons with disabilities, their unemployment rate is roughly double that of persons without disabilities. And that is obviously uh, a troubling statistic. But one of the statistics that I look at and I talk about most frequently, not only this program, but our future work programs and the other things that we do, is the labor market activity rate for persons with disabilities. So when they were tracking that statistic, essentially between 1990 and 2014, that dropped by over 50% for persons with disabilities. And it's not about the month over month uh, jobs report that we all focus on and we all report and look at and kind of peg all of our hopes and dreams to and the unemployment rate that's within that. The long-term trends of detachment from the labor market are the things that I grow most concerned about And when we design our programs, it's really about the long-term sustainability. Another interesting statistic is if you look at the last four economic uh, recessions that we've had in the United States, there's a disproportionate impact on the employment of persons with disabilities following those recessions compared to their non-disabled peers. So over a period of recovery following a recession, roughly four to five years, the employment rate of persons with disabilities has decreased by 9% on average during each of those four recessions, while the employment rate of persons without disabilities has increased by 2%, right? So it, it shows this divergent kind of trend over a long period of time. Okay, that's great. So I want to move now to Mathematica's evaluation of the pathways demonstration. And well, I was hoping you could maybe describe the, the pathways program what is Pathways? What is the program? What are the services involved? What is it trying to achieve? Sure. So several years ago, Source America developed the Pathways to Career Service model, working in consultation with a small firm called Mark Golden Associates. And I think the overarching goal um, was really to develop a package of customized employment supports that would help people with significant disabilities. So these are namely 
those with intellectual or developmental disabilities or those with autism spectrum disorder secure competitive employment. And in the past, these people with significant disabilities have predominantly worked in what are known as facility-based employment settings. Um, and these are employment settings where people with disabilities receive pre-vocational services, they're working alongside other people that have a disability, they're oftentimes paid less than federal minimum wage, and oftentimes they're not engaged in work that is meaningful or skill building. And so Pathways really offers um, an alternative to facility-based employment. Shane, is there anything else you'd like to add to provide some more depth or context? Sure. So in kind of the history of, of employment of persons with disabilities, th- there have been a lot of different evolutions um, really driven by society that then informs legislation. And Pathways was really anticipating some legislative change, which ended up being the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, which really established this concept of competitive integrated employment for persons with disabilities as the presumptive standard. And in this migrating or, or, or evolving thought process of the, the way that persons with disabilities engage with employment, Pathways was set up to be really responsive to the idealized outcomes that people were trying to realize through that sort of legislation. So Pathways, one of the things that makes it special in, in customized employment in general is it starts with a presumption of ability and a presumption of the value that someone can create if given the opportunity to do so, and then the, the right alignment of their skills and their interests and what the job market might represent or might hold out there for them. Finding that alignment to create a more sustainable match that the person then has career aspects or prospects going forward. Okay. Noelle, in a second, is going to dive into some of the lessons from the evaluation of the demonstration. Why... Why was there an interest on you know, the part of Source America to conduct an evaluation of additional sites that were taking this model that had some promising results in Utah? So we, based on uh, some initial success and some initial opportunities that we saw, it was really the idea of challenging ourselves to understand how we could scale something like this up. Could we achieve an appreciable level of scale in terms of the number of members of our nonprofit organizations that we include in this program and how they affect their communities, what conceivably could we do from a a nationwide standpoint? So the idea of bringing on additional demonstration sites and looking at different geographical contexts, because every state's different too, and how their systems kind of interact with a program like this. So it was to learn, to evaluate, to find best practices, to try and crack the code of what would be a sustainable way to bring this to a large scale. And over that period of time, we learned a considerable amount in that. I think that there were a lot of positive outcomes in terms of the people that were impacted and what we built in terms of capacity within the members who participated. But ultimately, what we saw is that the current dynamics of the environment, right, primarily from a funding standpoint, are not really there to sustain a program of the level of rigor that we were talking about, right? So now it's about how do we adapt that in order to meet the context of where the systems are and still fulfill this idea of creating these connections for people. So, Noel, like, like we mentioned, Mathematica conducted this evaluation, and you looked at a scale-up of pathways at three additional sites in different states outside of Utah that implemented the pathways model starting in 2015. What, uh, what have you learned 
from the scale up of pathways in the additional states and in the different program contexts. So Mathematica has been evaluating pathways for several years since 2012 when the first site launched in Clearfield, Utah. And so far we've observed some pretty promising findings. Through the end of 2019, over 150 participants have enrolled in pathways across all five of the sites. And when we look at employment outcomes, over 60% of pathways participants have secured competitive employment and have worked in their jobs for, for 20 months on average. So these are long tenures in, in employment that we're seeing in the data. Of course, we're also tracking and monitoring earnings outcomes. And we, we know that employed participants are earning $10 per hour on average. And it's important to note that this is considerably higher than the federal minimum wage rate of $7.25 per hour. So this is also pretty promising. Last year, my colleague Pervy Savak led a study where we compared the employment and the earnings outcomes of Pathways participants in the Utah site. So this is the biggest site that's been implemented. And we compared these outcomes to those people with similar disability and demographic characteristics who were served by state vocational rehabilitation agencies. Although there are some fundamental differences between Pathways and the state VR agencies, you know, it was interesting because the the group of VR clients really offer a nice benchmark against which we can compare the Pathways outcomes that we're observing in the data. And what we found is that Pathways participants and people receiving VR services had very similar rates of employment lasting 90 days or longer. However, the Pathways participants had higher earnings, $10 per hour, compared to the people receiving VR services, which uh, were receiving $8.80 per hour. And we also found that Pathways participant worked more hours on average each week, about 28 hours per week compared to 20 hours that we saw for the VR clients. So this is pretty promising um, findings on employment and earnings outcomes that we're seeing in the data. Okay, I'll I'll put this question to both you and Shane, but uh, were there any surprises? If if you had to point to like one surprising finding, um, what would that be? And, And then second question, for state vocational rehabilitation agencies, What's something that they should specifically know about the results of this research? So I'm happy to kind of respond with one of the things that was most surprising to me. So I I came into working with the Pathways program with this team um, later in the stages of development and where we were with these demonstration programs. And one of the things that really struck me when we started to look at the evaluation data is the level of impact that it had on the individuals. Right, because what we shouldn't lose sight of is, we're, you know, we're talking about this program. We're talking about um, kind of the rigorous evaluation. We're talking about policy change. We're talking about all these entities, right? At the end of the day, there are human beings that are being impacted by this, and and to the extent that we can do so in a very um, positive way, a very deep way, that's really what we're driving towards. And so the idea that the average annual earnings for a person. You know, the, the change from pre-pathways to their time in pathways and then connecting to a job, it, that was an increase of 387% for an individual. Wow. That is incredible in terms of an individual's context and how that relates to um, how they're supported potentially by their family, right? And because that's a, a, you know, 
within the, the unemployment or the, the labor market disconnect persons with disabilities, that also impacts their family members, um, their friends, their caregivers, their communities. There's this ripple effect, right? It's not just it's not just an individual in isolation. There's a whole community. And so if we could have that level of impact on an individual, that's just a, an incredibly important thing to continue to highlight. Well, is there something, either a surprising finding or something specific that you think uh, state agencies should know about the research? Yeah, I mean, what I what I would say is this, you know, I think at the participant level, I would agree with Shane that um, and the interviews that we've conducted with individual participants and also Pathway staff and employers, um, what we found is that in cases where where there's been a lot of success, are those cases where individual participants have been placed in jobs that are really closely aligned to their strengths and their core competencies, and also in jobs that directly fill a business need. I think when those two conditions are met, it's really resulted in in the participant flourishing and really thriving in, in his or her role on the job and really establishing these important connections with their peers, with their coworkers, with their direct supervisor. And what we're seeing in the data is that uh, for many participants, they're experiencing really long tenures in employment. Um, and these are, these are jobs where they're acu- accumulating skills, they're developing their skill base, they're advancing within the organization that they're working for, and over time what we're, what we're seeing is that um, some of these participants are actually transitioning completely off of federal disability benefits. So these were folks who were formerly reliant on receiving uh, federal disability benefits, and because of their long tenures in employment and because of their high earnings, and the employer-sponsored health insurance that they've taken advantage um, of on the job, they've actually completely transitioned off the benefit rolls. So that's a pretty, pretty big success. You know, in our evaluation work, we're still, you know, we're still tracking these, these employment outcomes on a longer-term basis. But again, these early evaluation findings are, are fairly promising. So, Noel, one thing that I noticed in reading some of the briefs that have been published on Mathematica's website about Pathways is that the oldest of these sites in Utah has pretty successfully braided different sources of funding in order to be sustainable, and other sites are still kind of working towards that. Could you talk a little bit about what I mean when when I say braided funding and what those sources are and how that works, why it's important? Sure, sure, that's a great question. So, you know, people may not be aware of this, but there are several different funding streams that support people with disabilities and achieving their employment goals. State vocational rehabilitation agencies generally provide more time-limited job placement support to help eligible people with disabilities secure employment. In some states, the demand for these services outweighs the availability and capacity of of VR agencies to provide that support. So in some states, there are waiting lists um, in place for, for people to receive these services. And then I would say longer term employment services and supports for people with disabilities is most often provided by either the State Developmental Disability Agency and through the Medicaid Home and Community-Based Waiver. And this is where people with, with significant disabilities may receive um, like dehabilitation services, for example, or pre-vocational services or supported employment and career planning services. So these are very different types of employment services and supports that are that are crucial to helping a worker with a disability achieve his or her employment goals. 
I think the, the challenge, the inherent challenge, is that these services are really kind of housed within different funding authorities. So in some cases, there is an inherent lack of coordination and funding across these different service systems. So, you know, part of the goal of, of Pathways is really to try to establish these strong partnerships with state and local local agencies to try to braid funding sources together in a coordinated way to really help participants achieve employment and also, you know, provide funding for services in a way that's that's more streamlined and, and smooth for, for the end user and for the agency administering services. So in terms of this, so that's, that's kind of the, the past and up to the present, but what are the next steps for Source America leveraging the lessons learned from the evaluation of Pathways? So very excited about the, the future of the program. Um, based on what we've learned over the, the past several years of this demonstration program, um, now it's about really understanding how do we amplify the positive attributes of that. Um, if we have determined that sustainability from the current model is not there, right, within the how the, the funding systems work, um, how do we maybe have a more modular approach to some of the disciplines within Pathways, and we apply them with our members in the context that they need them um, within their states, within the communities that they're serving, to really start to build the capacity within our network and largely within the disability employment kind of movement in, in that community. So we've adopted kind of a three-part strategy going forward for Pathways, um, moving from kind of a singular focus on a demonstration program to now how do we serve as a technical center for our members around these sorts of workforce methodologies. And we kind of democratize that information. We make it wholly available to the members that associate with us in the interest of positive future um, prospects. The the second part of that is really developing a deep, meaningful relationship with the vocational rehabilitation system, um, something we've not really had before, and something that, you know, really the, the network that we serve and the VR system, those are intended to be complementary systems. So let's ensure that those relationships are working as effectively as they possibly could, because it just maximizes the opportunities for people, the, the options that they have available to them to engage with work. And then the other part of that strategy is looking at relationships with university systems. Um, there are university systems that serve the kind of focal population of what Pathways has really done. And it's about understanding as young people are coming through post-secondary education, as they're thinking about their career prospects, what are their expectations for work? And how can we make sure that our programs are aligned to appeal to those expectations and connect to those sorts of job opportunities that they might have moving forward. Because it it's, might not be the same sorts of vocations that were available 20, 30 years ago, right? There's a lot of different ways that people want to engage with work now. How can we make sure that we're responsive to that? And then part of what we're trying to do through all of this and part of what was kind of uh, really put into pathways in the first place was how do you affect policy change along with this? So. In June of last year, the introduction of the Capability Act, which was co-sponsored by uh, Congressman uh, Moulton and Congresswoman McMorris-Rogers, so bipartisan support through the House. But it's about creating legislation that enables programs like this, customized employment programs that connect people with high barriers 
to employment to these sorts of outcomes that are sustainable. But it's by really talking about building the capacity within the systems and putting the funding along with them to make those sustainable and to overcome some of these gaps that we've experienced directly through Pathways. So it's about supporting legislation like that to move forward and helping to hopefully inspire more policy change to follow. So, Noel, reflecting back on the evaluation of Pathways, what gaps in knowledge still exist in terms of helping people with significant disabilities find employment? And what questions do you hope future research might explore? Yeah, so, you know, we've touched on this, but, you know, as I think everyone knows, people with disabilities face myriad barriers to securing employment. But a big barrier is the fact that many employers have preconceived notions about hiring a worker with a disability. For example, they may have concerns about, you know, the person's work quality or productivity or managing unexpected behaviors in the workplace. And so I think an interesting area for future research is really identifying strategies for engaging employers and educating them about the tremendous value that hiring workers with disabilities can add to a business, to an organization, not only in terms of filling a business need, but also creating just a richer, more inclusive culture in the workplace. So that, I would say, is the first point. Another point is, I think, um, people with disabilities, in addition to facing, you know, limited job prospects, they also face a a number of pretty complex challenges related to accessing affordable housing, accessing adequate health care, and that really makes this population uh, vulnerable to poor health, employment, and quality of life outcomes. So I think another area for future research is really looking at the connection between employment and, and also how employment is resulting in improved quality of life outcomes for this population. Shane, I saw you nodding your head. Yeah, I think certainly in this area, as we think about the kind of touched on it before, too, the, the idea of there's this this outcome that everything's being driven towards and there's this expectation and really understanding the gaps between the, the methodologies that currently exist and how they're funded nationally and at the state level and where they fall relative to those idealized outcomes. Because at some point there needs to be a a recognition that the funding is not there to get to the level of inclusive employment through systems that people expect. And we can't just entirely try to shift the burden to the private sector and expect that they are going to be fully welcoming of the vast diversity of persons with disabilities. If, If they were, and this is not a value statement on, or a judgment statement on them, but if they were already predisposed to do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation because there wouldn't be this tremendous gap between the employment engagement of persons with disabilities and those without. So I want to talk a little bit about the forum that Source America and Mathematica are hosting, or I guess it's the, the webinar that Mathematica and Source America are hosting in March. Who will be participating? What will you be discussing? How can listeners attend virtually? What, yeah, just What's the deal there? Sure. So the forum, as you mentioned, will be hosted by Mathematica Center for Studying Disability Policy, and it will be held on March 11th. And the focus is really on highlighting um, practical lessons learned from the field on promoting employment among people with disabilities. Again, with a focus on partnering with employers to create job opportunities and also partnering with state and local agencies to secure outside sources of funds. I'll be moderating and I'll be facilitating a live interactive discussion with Shane and also two of the Pathways program managers who are overseeing service delivery in the Detroit, Michigan, and Oakton, Virginia sites. 
And we will also have the pleasure of having Lisa Mills from Mark Golden Associates serve as discussant. And Lisa has worked with state agencies in her career to really help them change their policies and their funding structures to promote employment. And so she'll be bringing a real systems change lens to the conversation. So we really look forward to having further discussions on this topic in the coming weeks and really um, hope that as many listeners as possible participate virtually. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking today about the Pathways program. And if folks want to engage you more on the program and ask follow-up questions, they'll have the opportunity to do so in March. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And before closing, I'd like to just express our recognition for the groundbreaking work of Mike Callahan that really informed the entire design of what we did under Pathways. And he's just been a valued partner, him and his organization, Mark Golden Associates, throughout the continuum of Pathways and looking into the future. And also from Mathematica. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being this great collaborator throughout this process. It's it's unique for us as an organization to engage in this level of rigorous evaluation, and it's so fundamentally important to the inform the design of our programs and to strengthen those programs and to try and make the progress we're trying to achieve. So we're extraordinarily grateful of your partnership throughout too. Well, thank you, Shane. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, likewise, you know, we've been excited to be part of this effort and really excited to continue this partnership and see and, and monitor longer term outcomes over the coming months and years. So thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of On the Evidence. And thanks to my terrific guests, Shane Kennedy and Noelle Denny Brown. If you want to learn more about the Pathways to Careers demonstration, we've got you covered. On the episode page, I have links to Mathematica's research on the demonstration. I also have a link to the March 11th webinar where you can put your questions directly to Noelle and Shane. If you liked this episode, please consider becoming a regular listener. You can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically wherever you can find podcasts. If you really liked this episode, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. You can also keep up with the latest episodes of On the Evidence, as well as other interesting work from Mathematica by following me on Twitter, at JBWogan.